Welcome to the Reinventing Education podcast. I'm Rob McLeod, joined by Brendan O'Leary. And today we're talking about power distribution, both leadership and authority within the counselor approach to education. How are you doing, Brendan? Not too bad, Rob. Not Bless. too bad. Glad to and hear yourself? it. Ah, can't describe it. I'm doing well. So we have looked at the expert approach to leadership and authority. We've looked at the coach approach to leadership and authority. And if you're not sure what I mean by those two terms, pop back now to episode 100, where we do a deep dive into this terminology. Today, we are looking at the counselor approach to power distribution, leadership and authority. And I guess this is really where there are some fundamental shifts in the concept of how a school organizes itself. And I guess just as importantly, how decisions are made about the school and who gets to decide who gets to decide within the school. So Brennan, maybe can you, we've just in our last episode looked at the context where a more counselor approach emerges into a society, into a culture, into a group. Uh, can you give us a little bit of the background, the structure here of where this whole school community calling the shots for itself comes from? Yeah, so we were into a place where every voice is valued and everybody in the community has a unique perspective and we want to incorporate as much of that as possible as we move forward making decisions. Consent for from the entire community, anybody that's able to give consent should be given the opportunity. This is in contrast to how the expert-centered approach, which is very much based on uh, a hierarchy, a master and apprentice model, where the leader would take counsel and deliberate on certain decisions before making the decision for themselves. Um, the meritocracy-based ladder metaphor of the um, coach-centered school where the uh, decisions are negotiated and there's a democratic approach, although as places get larger and larger, there's there becomes more of a representational democracy. And so maybe not everybody is given the opportunity to really voice their opinions in any kind of level of detail. But yeah, so the power distribution in this current model is very much um, horizontal, as flat as it can be, incorporating as many perspectives and as much consent as possible. Yeah, and I, I might call the lead up to this saying, as you mentioned, the expert, the authorities deliberate and make a decision for the school. In the coach, there is a wider network of people involved in the decision making, and there needs to be compromise, especially as the school gets larger. You need to be able to meet in the middle somewhere. This counselor approach seeks to find consensus, and sometimes consensus and compromise get tossed around as synonyms, but one of the big differences here is compromise of the coach involves kind of the meeting in the middle and maybe both parties not getting exactly what they wanted, but something they can kind of live with versus the consensus approach of the counselor, which is what we're discussing today, where no, it's not a matter about what do you sacrifice to find a path for, but rather the group together needs to articulate an approach and negotiate out approach and debate and work together to find something that works for everybody in consensus, or at least 
gains the consent of everyone involved, which is to say we do not have grounds on which to refute to refuse or be against this. It works enough for us to consent to um, with this plan. This week, it just so happens that in my principal's training course, we were looking at documents about uh, parent and family engagement in schools, in particular school decisions, as well for the book that I slash we are writing about the three types of school. I dove a little bit more into the rungs of the ladder of participation. We discussed this previously when talking about the coach approach to um, student councils and student involvement. What I found really interesting here was the top two rungs of the ladder of participation, which is sort of this ladder showing varying degrees of who has control to decide what in organizations. The top two rungs seem to be what this counselor approach and sociocratic approach to, to school decision-making involves. So the top two, the top one being community control, and the second one underneath that delegated power. And I'd argue that in a counselor school, you would likely see a range between those, but more likely leaning towards the community control more of the time. So community control, this means the entire school community. So this is principals, teaching staff, staff members, students, families can govern itself and is in full charge of decision-making. As you said, the hierarchy has been flattened here. Everything is horizontal and your role no longer gives you veto power over someone else in the organization. So entire school community governing itself. The rung below that is delegated power, where principals and some in the school community, meaning some staff, potentially some families or students, with specialized roles hold ownership of school decisions. So the school community could actually still veto the decisions of the principal. So there it there is the sense that there is not a hierarchy. It is more about the, the community. And I'd say we're going to see these counselor approaches kind of fluctuate between these two. I'd like to take a second to just name the four rungs below that and show how they match better to the coach and to the expert school. But just any comments on that, Brennan, about the community control versus delegated power? No, it's just a very difficult concept for many of us to get our heads around if we've been raised in a more traditionally leaning expert-centered hierarchical system or even in a modern progressive democracy um, where you know representational democracy is the model where you do have a counselor in the sense of a politician who would represent you um you would have people who represent you in 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 places of power to get your head around a, even a place where everybody has not just the right to voice their opinion, but basically an equal amount of power in decision-making. That is not an easy concept for us to get our heads around, especially when the people making those decisions are quote unquote, less experienced. And maybe without the quotes, they literally are less experienced in many cases. But, um, you know, give it, handing power over to students, to children, or to members of the community that haven't had the same background as, say, a teacher or, you know, a principal. It's counterintuitive in many ways. It's very difficult to get one's head around that. But it is at the core of this approach that, yeah, you're 
it doesn't mean that everything you say is just accepted, but everything is listened to and and debated and taken on its own merit, regardless of where it comes from. Yeah, and, and this is challenging because it's also the new thing that the counselor approach is bringing to the table. The expert and coach structures have not brought this amount of power to the rest of the organization. This is the new thing that the counselor is bringing to the table that the previous approaches have not. And those previous approaches, this is not to dismiss them by any means, but I'll, I'll just share the other four rungs. So below that idea of delegated power, where the principal and some in the school community with special ro- specialized roles hold ownership over school decisions. Below that is partnership, placation, consultation, and then finally at the bottom of bottom rung is informing. There are other rungs below that, but I, I'm going to say that it would be rare to see them except for in incredibly unhealthy schools. So let's just focus on partnership, placation, consultation, and informing. So partnership, shared decision-making between principals and teaching staff, but not necessarily students and families. And the teaching staff and principals must reach compromises and consensus together, which that tracks really well to what we are calling the coach approach. One step below that, placation. The teaching staff have a limited degree of influence on the decision-making process of the principals. And there are a few individuals who may be in committees or groups with influence, but they can be vetoed by the principals. Below that, consultation. Consultation involves the consulting of staff and potentially families and students, inviting them to share their opinions, but there is no assurance that these concerns are included in the final decision. And finally, at the bottom rung, informing, which is just essentially a one-way flow of information from principals to staff, families, or students with no channel provided for feedback or negotiation of school decisions. So what we're saying is that each the expert, the coach, and the counselor kind of has their range within these rungs of the ladder. But our conversation today is about the counselor approach, which basically I would say would fluctuate between those two top rungs of full community control in which the entire school community can govern itself. And as we said, every voice is equal, but then maybe occasionally down to the delegated power where principals and some members of the school community with specialized roles perhaps hold ownership of some school decisions. Uh, But still, the school community or various circles could veto the decisions of certain roles, including principals. Yeah, I mean, the way I've seen that described is that those top rungs are everyone's an active participant in the decision-making process. And then as you get further down, it's more that you're a responder to, you respond to it. You might have some input, but you're not necessarily active. And then the ones you kind of said don't really, you know, the the, the kind of passive end where basically it's it's just you're just fed information and you have no say over it. And, and yeah, there's very few schools where you have no say at all over any decisions, but we're right at the top end of the um active participation. And and again, the kind of underlying philosophies that run this type of school, which is getting into a postmodernist kind of thought where every single person has a different perspective and they are all uh, uh, valid. That also is very much in line with models of education that are based on people taking control and action for the community around them, that students um, 
are able to make decisions in their own learning that will affect themselves and others, which again is far, far less common in the other models of school. There are There is choice within, say, the coach-centered model, but it isn't front and center. Front and center in this um, counselor-centered approach is the choice and taking action on your choices. Um, and taking responsibility for those choices as well, of course. Yeah. So, what are what are some of the ways that kind of this is organized within a school? Yeah. So, first of all, the little caveat, which I feel I throw in quite often when we begin discussing the counselor approach, for many, hearing this idea that every voice matters and everyone is listened to can create some of those straw man stereotypes of oh, this is just a lackadaisical place where nothing really gets done and everyone's sitting around and. Nothing happens because everyone's chatting and it's unstructured and no one's really doing their duty and stuff like that. Yeah, there could be an expression of that, but we would call that a low-functioning, unhealthy version of this counselor approach. And sure, that's easy to dismiss as perhaps not incredibly helpful. What we're talking about today is the healthiest or best expression, a high-functioning version of this, which actually does have a great deal of structure. But that structure is not necessarily built around authority and rules. That structure is there to ensure this intention that everybody is included and that we move forward and take actions that are meaningful and contribute in important ways and do take full ownership and responsibility and duty for our education, our learning, our growth, our development, our contributions. So some of the things, there will still be roles, but these roles, unlike in the coach or expert approach, do not bring autonomy or authority necessarily with them. And these roles typically in the school will be nominated. So you don't necessarily apply like you would for maybe a certain position in a school. You want to be curriculum coordinator or principal or something like that. More often than not, if you have a role in the school, the most common framework we've seen is that the community has nominated you for the role. A need is addressed. So for example, you know, oh, we have noticed that there is a deficit around, let's say, curriculum, just as an example. We need this role of a curriculum coordinator who would help to organize and oversee and consult with various groups. This is a need of our community. And then as we saw, for example, in the Circle Schools documentary, uh, School Circles documentary, then it's open to the community to say, well, who do you think would be a good person for this job? And that's an interesting idea that you don't necessarily step forward and put your hat in the ring and, and get involved in the interview process. Rather, the community says, ah, Brendan, he'd be my guy I would choose for this or whoever would be the person. And then it's up to essentially a consensus. And obviously, you would need to agree that you wish to fulfill that role. You're not going to be forced into it. But it's not that more individual-centered piece of, oh, there's the job posting. I'm going to go apply for it. No, no. We've created a job posting and we are nominating who will carry this out. And of course, there are necessary layers of administration. Just because you've approached the counselor world doesn't mean there isn't paperwork to do or there aren't certain tasks to be done. Um, but again, some of those roles, they don't necessarily come with the authority to veto or overpower people in other roles. Yeah, the idea of executive decisions being made is kind of not really in line with this philosophy. And again, I think the um, 
the circle schools kind of concept really sets this out in the those kind of roles who's the chair and who moves between the circles is is another nominated kind of idea that you may hold some kind of administrative role out of necessity and this is kind of in a lot of more politically left-leaning systems this is kind of where it goes um especially if you get down into the you know individually democratic and even into what would be called like anarcho-syndicalist kind of ideas were give me that word again anarcho what An- anarcho-syndicalist so this is where chomsky kind of came from with with his ideas and it's basically a self-governing system it's basically you know it has the word anarchy in there and anarchy obviously has some negative connotations but this is the sense of anarchy or, or coming from a place where people take individual responsibility for their actions and so the group is overseen by uh, the lightest form of administration possible and that itself is decided by the group so we need someone to chair this meeting so yeah as you just described okay who would be the best person for it and maybe someone puts himself forward or maybe it's chosen by the group but itself um kind of sufficient structure and that's the kind of political model that some of these schools are kind of based around that we and again that's why taking the time to set it out because it's such an unusual and new way for a group of people to come together in education it's as far away from the master and apprentice model as we currently have in our kind of um paradigms of education but it says you know we're going to assess who within our group can play this administrative role but it doesn't give them additional power because you're the chair of this meeting you're the you're the treasurer or you're the note taker or whatever you just have some very basic administrative duties it doesn't give you power of veto it doesn't give you authority over anybody else we just realize that we need a certain level of organization to allow this to function and you know because of that you 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 know when this is running in a healthy way you don't need to fight for your opinion to be heard you have a participatory responsibility in this process and it's kind of your responsibility to turn up and be part of the discussion and to respect and take on board the ideas and opinions of everybody who is there and is represented and to try and empathize and understand that and then take action on that collectively or individually so it is a you know like you said the 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 straw man in a way argument is that this is running around kind of like just woo whatever whatever you want to do and it's like of course there's a large amount of choice in there but the responsibility individually increases the more we move away from the hierarchy the power hasn't vanished the power has been spread out and therefore following that metaphor you now have more power but you don't have more than anybody else you have this shared power um which is a very powerful idea but also is uh yeah will take a little while for some of us to get our heads around yeah and no, how argu- to keep that in a healthy way yeah arguably the counselor approach puts onto students far more participation and accountability than a coach or expert approach might and you might hear the expert and coach approach possibly 
like, you know, valuing student accountability and contribution and hard work when oddly enough, it's actually this council approach we're describing that puts genuine authority, participation and accountability for the school itself, not just your individual student studies, but putting you as an integral part of the school yourself. That's one of the new things that it brings here. You know, this also mirrors into the classroom and we're not going to go through all the nuts and bolts of the kind of pedagogical approach within the counselor today. We'll get into that later. But, you know, this idea of negotiation and who has authority is found directly inside of the classroom. The teachers and students negotiate on each individual student's learning path. And it is a negotiation. It's not just willy-nilly of the student being like, I want to do this, and now I want to do this, and now I want to do that, and now I want to do this, and not following through on things. The teacher is there to act as a negotiator to say, okay, what are your interests and desires? We need to be able to consent, find consensus on an approach for you to do that in a way that serves you, but also serves the rest of our learning community here. And that student inside that class doesn't have to be just one of two students who gets voted on to a student council, for example, which you might see more in the expert or coach approach. They're able to be a representative across whole school decisions. And again, as you alluded to, if your school's grade one to grade 12, the voice of a student in grade one is of equal footing to a student in grade 12, and, and they are able to be part of this representational and participatory way of approaching school decisions. Yeah. And I, I so the discussions we've had is about scaling this up. So if we look at, we've, we talked to unschool, uh, people who are unschooling before, which essentially means that you you know you're teaching your child at home maybe one or two or three kids and therefore you the ratio is very very low and you can spend a lot of time with with each child really unpacking what it is that they're interested in and what they want to do and you can have direct discourse and you can make meaningful changes into your environment as it scales up larger and larger and the ratio becomes more than one to three or one to five one to ten we see the circle schools approach to how decisions are made. Obviously, if there's only one to three of you and you're and you are you're bought into this idea of uh, equal um, kind of va- validity of everyone's arguments, then it's it's a lot more easy to do if there's a small number of you. As you get higher up in numbers, the circle schools approach was to have a series of, I guess, concentric circles where where each grade level would meet and they would send representatives up to a group that was across the entire uh, part of the school and then into the, the, um, the wider community of teachers and parents and so on. Um, And so attempting to scale that up and it, it, you know, making a little bit of a compromise because it became, it becomes a little bit more like a representational democracy, but your voice is still valid at each at each step and i think that's a really noble aim of trying to take this system where everybody's idea is given time and time is key this is definitely not a process that is is as quick as the uh, executive decision model um but it shows value shows value to everybody and the, and attempting to scale that up into a, a model where you might have 50 to 100 people um, and still letting every voice be heard. Um, yeah. And, and 
you kind of alluded and we will get into the classroom stuff a lot more but there's two strands of this i would say and one is the actual decision making across the school which is what we're talking about now and then the other is the amount of choice um a student gets in their own learning of what they do and the action they take and of course there's a lot of overlap but they're two kind of distinct strands within this counselor-centered approach to school but we've tallied, we've we've tarried a lot here. But what are some of the babies? What are the benefits? We've touched on a few of them, but what are some of the benefits of this approach to distributing power within a school? So there's that philosophy of every voice is heard and every voice is valued, and every individual has the capacity to make meaningful change to the organization and community that they're a part of. That's a huge new piece that you can see echoes of maybe in the coach approach and whispers of in the uh, expert approach. But this is really an approach to education that puts this at the forefront. In fact, I would argue it's <laughs> the largest organizing principle or arg largest organizing philosophy that every, vo every voice matters and every voice should be included in contributing to the direction that we're heading in. And as you alluded to there, you know, there is this idea of scale. This is something that's easier to do when there's, you know, one teacher and one student. Uh, it is interesting to see that as these schools scale up, they do tend to keep a higher uh, ratio. How do you say that? Not a higher ratio, but the ratio of teachers to students is much closer and does not get extreme. You wouldn't see one teacher for every 30 students. There tends to be a higher um, proportion of staff involved in these. A lower ratio. Lower ratio. That's what I was going for. Thank you. The opposite. Someone needs to go back to grade five math class to, to know about how to talk about ratios again. Um, as you just alluded to as well, leads to meaningful action, action that is meaningful, ideally to the individual, but also because action and decisions are coming through the group. This action is meaningful, not only to an individual involved, but to the group itself. And it's authentic and responsive when something comes up in the school, when something comes up in the community, there's this space and capacity for things to be addressed and addressed, I guess you'd say, yeah, from the ground up and not from the top down. And there's an adaptivity, an adaptability, some flexibility here to be able to address what is occurring in your school and do so maybe not immediately, as we've alluded to. Some of this consensus finding can take some time, but Ultimately, the school, this approach to schooling allows you to address directly what is happening in your school. And every, as I've said again, every individual has the capacity and power to have influence over it. Yeah, I think that authentic, responsive nature is tied in deeply to the philosophy of the school. And that's why I think it's you know, we talk a lot about it being the right fit for the wider community and for the philosophy of the school and for you to be in a place where children essentially are given meaningful stay over decisions. There's got to be a, a wider kind of social acceptability of that idea and the fact that everybody's voice, it's worth taking the time to get everybody's voice. And it's, and we're able to actually drop any defenses that we had to say like, no, this person may be much younger, but they're still able to give a valid uh, opinion. And, and maybe it's one that we'll accept and maybe we'll adapt it or, 
or rejected ultimately as a group, but we can authentically respond to what is happening. Um, we do. I, I would say that we see pockets of it, as you said, in in the uh, coach-centered model, but this puts it front and center. But as with everything, there are drawbacks. There's bathwater. And, uh, you know, one of them we touched on quite a few times that it is inefficient in terms of time. If you are coming from a model and especially the coach-centered model, it's very much about efficiency and effectiveness. Now, this might be an effective model. You might get effective solutions to the community's issues, but it would be not viewed as efficient in the eyes of somebody who is coming from that coach-centered approach, possibly. Yeah. And another concern that the coach might have as well is the fact that this time spent on finding consent or consensus potentially takes away from time that we could be focusing on curriculum and achievement. And while, of course, achievement will be one of the things that a counselor approach values, it won't value it to the same level of priority that the coach approach will. And the coach, you know, worldview is going to say, yeah, no, this is good within here that we're deciding these things. At the end of the day, there's going to be some standardized tests. There's going to be the SATs you need to take at the end of this. If the student wishes to pursue university or college, there's going to be this and that. There's all these external demands. And, you know, I think a good counselor school will take those into consideration as part of their negotiation. But I think, again, the coach criticism would just say, you guys are spending a lot of time here coming up with decisions that work for everybody. We could be using this time for other things that might be garnering other great results for us. Yeah, we could just compromise and we could make a quick compromise on this decision. And hey, it, it may be slightly less effective. It may be better. It may be, it may be just as good, but it's certainly going to be way more efficient and we can spend that time on other things that we value. Um, yeah. And interestingly, within that coach model, especially within schools, that notion of students taking meaningful action on their learning isn't as prevalent. And it, and it is more likely, as you said, that the focus, if those two things are on the table, the focus may switch more towards the standardized tests that are credentials. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the strengths of that and also the drawbacks. One other thing um, from this model is that it is highly dependent on interpersonal skills and levels of trust. If we're sat around, first of all, are we in a place where we can safely share our actual thoughts? That we is it emotionally um, a place where we can feel safe to share our thoughts and for them to be heard by the other people and for them to be appreciated and for us to be empathetic and appreciative to their ideas too, can be derailed by a system that's not ready for that or a place where you're just not prepared to put your neck out, stick your neck out with an idea because the consequences of that in some environments, you might not be there very long if you're voicing opinions that are out of step with the um, the major voices or the authority. And so this particularly, if we look back at the um, uh, coach, expert, if we look back at the expert-centered school very much, you know, it's a place of authority, it, it would be hard to come from that mindset and then suddenly be sat around with a group of people and be prepared then 
to share your ideas and to trust that they're going to take them on regardless of how closely they are aligned with what is currently the norm. Yeah, and this um, approach also assumes good faith. It assumes that every individual approaching this sociocratic approach to decision-making and this egalitarianism is doing so in good faith. All it takes is one or a handful of toxic- Bad egg. Bad eggs, Machiavellian, manipulative narcissists, something like that. A few toxic people can really impact the effectiveness and consensus finding um, and have the potential to really terror a group against themselves. Now, those people would still have <laughs> toxic impacts in a coach environment or a expert as well. But I would say this one in particular is susceptible because of those voices for sticking true to our principles here are going to be equal voices, no matter what toxic behind the scenes kind of things are going on here. And, you know, that connects as well back to just another possible expert criticism, which is to say, you know, sometimes it is just helpful to have a voice of authority that can veto other ideas. And in when there is times of uncertainty or chaos or difficulty, um, you know, there is sometimes, not always, but sometimes that human desire of just like, well, who do we turn to in this time? Who, you know, grounded in tradition or whatever it is, who can we turn to to bring about some some order through this chaos? And if the idea is, oh, it's up to all of us to find that and we're having a hard time doing it, you might be lost at sea for a while versus, you know, who's that? authority lighthouse beacon in the distance that we can go to and just have them make the decision and we move on and we get back on course and do this that you know it's one of the challenges that would be faced by this counselor community and you can feel it sometimes in a room when a discussion is happening and maybe it's moving in this sort of direction and it does feel like consensus is being built and then all of a sudden it grinds to a halt and you it's like we just need someone to step in here and take charge but life is messy and can be confusing. And it's the question of what do you give up to get that? And we know we've, we've looked to the positives, we've looked at the babies and bathwater of the expert approach. And although you gain a lot from having a figure of authority who will step in and make those decisions, you're also giving up a lot of that personal responsibility and the ability for your voice to be heard and for you to take action. And this is why we say when it really comes down to it, you have to choose and you're going on one side. You know, the kind of way you go will say a lot about your underlying values and how you know, we are asked to make a lot of decisions in our lives as teachers, parents, and members of a school community. And some of them are tough. Which way are we going to go? Are we going to lean towards this idea that we do value everyone's opinion and we do value taking personal responsibility and taking action? Or are we more in tune with a philosophy that does cede that responsibility to a hierarchy for the um, ideas of security. Yeah, and I think some of these criticisms or the bathwater we're pointing to point to something that you and I were just talking about before we turned the microphones on the recording button here, which was, you know, I think each individual teacher or parent, student, school leader walks in with a personal bias or a preference towards one of these three. 
I think deep down, we are more expert leaning or more coach leaning or more counselor leaning. And I don't think there's a staff that exists in the world where the school says, ah, we are we are a coach leaning school. Therefore, we only hire coach leaning folks and we have no expert leaning or counselor leaning folks here. Every school is going to be some kind of mix of, of these three on staff, at least for sure. And I think you're going to hear the expert if you are an expert teacher who somehow found yourself into one of these counselor schools, you're going to be the person saying, this is messy. This is confusing at times. This would be better with just someone who can make that decision when necessary. Hey, I'm up for it. Let's hear everybody's voice. I like being able to contribute to this. I like you know having this. And when times get hard, I want someone to step in or that we can defer to, you know, to have this move on. Or that coach leaning person, as we said before, is going to say, Hey, this is this is effective getting everyone's consensus here, but this is not efficient. And the time we're investing in this could be invested in many other things that would open up many more opportunities for us. And I don't have the time for this. So if you see experts or coaches bringing those kinds of concerns in a high functioning counselor environment, I think this is one of the places where our model is really helpful to say, oh, that's because those people those people are operating from fundamentally different value systems. And truth be told, it's not going to be a fit. And they are always going to try and take this counselor approach and make it more expert-like or make it more coach-like wherever they can. Absolutely. And that does not mean they are wrong, but they are clearly not in, in the right context. The, in the right context, yes. And so um, it's, it'll be an interesting season 10 when we talk about that about how to how to work within the context spoiler <laughs> but um spoiler but yeah this is the cutting edge i guess of school education we we talk about how 90 our total guess but 90 plus percent of schools in the countries that we've worked in and lived in are a coach-centered approach with a smaller number leaning traditional, but still having to get on board with that coach, uh, leaning expert, but still having to get on board with that coach kind of approach. And then a very, very small number that are truly operating within this. And if you're in one of those schools, we want to talk to you. We want to hear because it seems like a beautiful approach, but a very difficult one in today's uh, current climate. All right. Thank you, Brennan, for this discussion about the counselor approach to leadership, authority, and decision-making. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Brennan.